So this is kind of strange. In 2016, a 19-year-old man told his grandmother that he had had an epiphany. Shortly after, his abandoned car was found on the side of the road, and he has been missing ever since. Weird, right? Or maybe not. What do you think? Kind of strange? Or not at all? Hello, and welcome to Kind of Strange. I'm your host, Grace, and this is a place where you can get cozy, a little creeped out, and talk with me about things that are weird, unusual, spooky, and kind of strange. Welcome back to Kind of Strange. So the case that I'm going to be talking about today is definitely going to mess with your mind, or at least it messed with my mind. Today I'm going to be talking about the disappearance of Logan Schindelman. When I first started looking into it, there didn't seem to be a whole lot of information about it, but the more I looked into it, the further and further I got into this rabbit hole of just needing to know more and trying to figure out what exactly happened. So before we get into it, I just want to share that I now have a blog on my website. So what that means is I'll be posting a little bit of information about each episode, but there is a comment section below. So that way, if anybody has any thoughts about the episode or for this episode, for instance, if you have any theories about what happened that you want to share, any questions, you can leave it right under the blog. And for those of you on the email list, you will be getting an email when an episode is released so that it can take you right to that page. You can listen to the episode there or you can leave a comment with your thoughts or questions about the episode. So if you want to be included in that and get an email every time I put out a new episode, make sure to go to my website. The link is in the show notes and there is a place for you to leave your email there. And don't worry, I won't be sending anything annoying. It will only be to let you know when a new episode is available. So let's get right into this. Logan Schindelman was born on June 27, 1996, to his mother, Hannah, and his father. His father was a Saudi Arabian man that had gone back to Saudi Arabia before Logan was born, so he didn't know him or have a relationship with him. Logan's mother had had a whirlwind type of relationship with him, and again, Logan never met him. Logan had an older half-sister named Chloe, and he and his sister and his mother lived with his grandmother, Ginny. When Logan was two, his mother decided that she wanted to move to Seattle, 40 minutes away from where they were currently living. And accounts on why differ. I saw that she wanted to attend art school, but I also saw that she wanted to live with her boyfriend and work in that area. But either way, it was decided that Logan's grandmother, Ginny, would take over guardianship of Logan and Chloe. And Logan's mother, Hannah, agreed with this, and Ginny took over guardianship mostly for medical and decision-making reasons. Now, Logan did continue to have a relationship with his mother, but his primary guardian was his grandmother. As a bit of a background, because this does come up, Ginny is a white woman who had Logan's mother with a black man. So Logan's mother is mixed race and his father is Saudi Arabian. So Logan was mixed race and he grew up in a mostly white family in the town of Tumwater, Washington, which is also predominantly white. Logan was known as being friendly and fun to be around. He was described as outgoing, funny, and somebody that was always willing to help others out. Some describe him as quiet and sensitive as well. He was well-liked, he loved to record funny videos of his friends, and his great-aunt Mary said that she didn't know a single person that didn't like him. 
Mary and her husband, Logan's uncle Mike, said that Logan was always pleasant, and if they came to visit, he would open the door for them, give them a really nice greeting, ask them how they were, and tell them, you know, come on in. And they said that in this way, he was unlike other kids his age, but it was a good thing. Logan did well in school, he got good grades, but he didn't always apply himself. He was very smart, but he didn't always do homework or study or things like that, because at the time, he didn't really need to. Because he was so smart, he could get by without always doing homework or studying. Logan played football in high school, and he was a star defensive back on his varsity team. He had a good group of friends for most of his high school years. For the most part, he didn't have any issues with being the only black student in his group of friends. A friend of his named Dakota was interviewed for a documentary on Logan, and this documentary is disappeared, and the specific episode is called Last Words. Dakota said that in their friend group, nobody ever treated Logan any differently. They never saw him any differently than the rest of the group. And he said Logan wasn't, quote, ever treated differently, ever, unquote. Ginny, again, that's Logan's grandmother, said the friend group was around six kids, and then there were other friends outside of that group that would hang around with them as well. And she said that everything between them was good, until one day it wasn't. So again, by all accounts, Logan didn't have any issues fitting in, despite living in a predominantly white town and going to school with mostly white students. He had a good group of friends, and he wasn't treated differently, but there was an incident that took place towards the end of his senior year of high school. Logan was at a party. It sounds like it was some kind of outdoor party with a fire going, and there was a girl there that was making racist comments towards him. Jenny said that, quote, somebody was giving him a bad time about being black, unquote. And his great-aunt Mary said she, quote, heard that there were some racist slurs made towards Logan in a joking way, and he did not take it well, unquote. So apparently this girl at the party told him something along the lines of, you know, because he was Saudi Arabian, he should be dancing around the fire and doing songs. And according to Ginny, she said other ignorant things. Logan found this very upsetting, to the point that he ended up calling Ginny to come pick him up from the party, which was very unlike him. Now, his friend Dakota that I mentioned said that none of Logan's good friends were at this party. He said that he wasn't there, and it doesn't sound like any of the friends in Logan's core friend group were there. But Ginny said that Logan told her that he felt like his friends were not there for him. He said he thought he had friends, but he didn't. So it sounds like when this girl was making these racist remarks towards Logan, nobody stuck up for him. And because of this, he was very hurt, as, you know, he should be. And Ginny describes that he started feeling very isolated after this. Dakota said that he heard about this incident through the grapevine, but again, he wasn't at the party and he said he didn't actually know what happened. I was looking at a Reddit post of different thoughts about what may have happened to Logan and just people's, you know, opinions. There were several people that said that they lived in that area of Washington where Logan lived, and they said that there's definitely racial issues going on in that area. It's a predominantly white area, and they said that there's definitely the potential that race could have been involved in some sort of way with Logan's disappearance, or that there could have been more racially based issues that Logan was dealing with just due to the area that he lived in. So people were saying that that's definitely a potential, and that area does have its issues for sure. After this, with senior year coming to an end, Logan had been planning on attending Eastern Washington University. But as the school year ended and summer came, Logan started to pull away from his friends. Dakota said that he and the friend group didn't understand this because most of them had not been at the party and they weren't involved in the incident that had happened there. But 
Logan stopped getting together with them, he stopped talking to them, and he stopped responding to any of their messages. His great-uncle Mike had this to say, quote, At this point, I think Logan definitely was feeling a little lost, unquote. Logan's friends continued to try to reach out to him, and one friend said that it was really weird because they couldn't understand why he wasn't talking to them anymore. So Logan had plans to actually live with a friend while attending Eastern Washington University, and many people he knew were going to be going there. But at the last minute, he decided to attend Washington State University instead. So the school he was going to go to, Eastern Washington University, had a population of a little over 13,000 students, and Washington State University, where he ended up transferring to, had close to 30,000 students. And from the sounds of it, he really wouldn't know anyone there. Both schools were about 300 miles away from his home in Tumwater and about an hour away from one another. So he ended up graduating in 2014 and decided to start fresh at Washington State University. It seemed that this was because he preferred not to be around people he knew. And another thing that might have drawn him to the school is that it had a more diverse population. Again, even after going to school, his friends continued to try to message him and they could see that he had opened the messages or read them, but he continued to not respond. Dakota said that it seemed that this was Logan's, quote, clean slate, unquote, and that he must have wanted to move on. He said that he thinks Logan did value his friendships, but that he had a lot going on behind the scenes that he didn't really know how to deal with. Ginny said that she and Logan did talk about it being kind of rash for him to stop talking to his friends, but she also said that his mind was made up, he wasn't going to change it, and he was really hurt. So, he started school at Washington State University, not really clear on what he wanted to major in or study, which is very typical for someone his age. According to his family, though, it seemed he was more interested in the social aspect of school, and he was spending more time making friends and going out than he was doing any schoolwork. Going to college was an adjustment that he had a difficult time with. He didn't always attend classes, and he ended up struggling academically. He would tell his family that he would get it together, you know, just give him some time and he would pull it together, but unfortunately, he ended up not having good enough grades to make it so that he could go back for a second year. So he ended up leaving college and going back home. He decided not to try to attend a different college and he wanted to take a break and just work for a bit and try to figure out what he wanted to do with his life. His family says that they don't think he realized that not doing homework or going to class would end up putting him in this position. But again, he moved back in with Jenny and he just started working whenever he could. He had several different jobs, including working at a laundering facility at night and working on his aunt and uncle's farm. He worked hard, and his aunt and uncle said that they liked having him help out on the farm and that he seemed to enjoy it. Despite this, though, it seemed he was having difficulty figuring out what he wanted to do. Ginny said that it seemed Logan really wasn't sure what direction he was going in. She said, quote, He was kind of at a loss with what he was going to do with his life, unquote. And it seemed around this time that he started to become a little bit more withdrawn. He wasn't spending a lot of time with friends. Now, interestingly, his uncle Mike said this, quote, His first year at college, I think, turned out to be very unpleasant for him. And I don't think he had a lot of friends there, unquote. Now, to me, that's a little bit confusing because some accounts are saying that he made a lot of friends in college. And, you know, that was a bit of a distraction for him from his schoolwork. But then others say that he didn't really make friends, and also when he came home, it doesn't seem like he stayed in touch with anyone from college, as far as I can tell. 
though I really can't be sure, but it seems that he became a little bit more withdrawn and wasn't spending a lot of time with friends. And this continues to be a source of confusion for me, and I'll get into it in a little bit. But anyways, Logan was working even though he wasn't really sure what he wanted to do with his life, and he was continuing not to speak to his old friends, he was kind of just doing his own thing. What's weird about this whole thing with the friends is I was listening to another podcast and they were looking through Logan's call logs and text message history. And it turns out that he had actually texted the friend that he had planned on living with originally at the college he was going to first go to. He had texted him only about a month or two before he disappeared. And why that stands out to me is that it said over and over again that he cut off his friends towards the end of senior year. And, you know, even one of his friends is in an interview saying that none of them heard from him ever again. But, and this was just quickly talked about in the podcast episode, so there wasn't a lot of details given around this, but I did find it very strange that he had in fact texted one of these old friends when again and again the family of the friends say that he had no contact with his former friends. But it turns out that he did, and I don't know how much other contact he had, I don't know if there was a response to the text, if this was one of many, I have no idea, but even the fact that there was one makes it all the stranger to me. One of his old friends, named Alyssa, said that she actually saw him come into a place where she worked, and he had gone in there to turn in a job application. But she said he acted strange and seemed nervous. She said he really wouldn't talk to her, and he left as soon as he could. So I mentioned that Ginny said Logan was withdrawn and didn't spend much time at all with friends. But, and this is where it gets a little confusing for me, in another interview, she actually said that he would go out at night and hang out with people, so I'm unclear about this aspect, because I did watch a documentary about Logan that came out in 2018, and then I also listened to a Dateline podcast that I believe came out more recently in 2023, and his family was interviewed for both, so of course this is a good amount of time that has passed between both, and in the first interview... They kind of all make it seem like Logan had no friends, he was very withdrawn, you know, when he returned from college. But in the second set of interviews, it seems like he was hanging out with people at night because several times his grandmother, Ginny, would mention that she didn't really know where he went at night, it was normal for him to go out at night with friends, but she didn't really know who they were, that kind of thing. So it is a little bit confusing. You know, maybe he didn't do it often, I'm not really sure, but I did find a little bit of a disconnect there. Regardless, though, Ginny said that she didn't meet any of his friends or co-workers from after he got back from college, but overall, he did spend a lot of time at home. She also said that he did meet friends online, but he hadn't met up with any of them. So mostly, he would work a lot, and he'd also spend a lot of time in his room. He'd go online, he'd play video games or watch TV, and at this time, Ginny became aware that he was seeming a little bit paranoid. She realized that he was smoking weed, and to her, it seemed like this caused him to be slightly paranoid. She said that sometimes he would worry that people were looking into his room and he would close and lock the window. He also mentioned a couple of times that people were following him, and there were other family members aside from Ginny that noticed that he did seem more withdrawn. Now his friend Dakota said that no one in their friend group had ever witnessed him using hard drugs, and he only ever smoked weed or sometimes drank. And at this time, although Ginny had noticed him smoking weed and seeming a little bit paranoid, she said that it seemed like he was just trying to figure himself out. And even if he went out at night, she wasn't worried about him and she didn't feel concerned. On Wednesday, May 18th, two days before Logan's car was abandoned on the side of the highway, Ginny was in the kitchen getting ready for work when Logan came in. 
She remembered that he came in through the garage instead of his room, which she thought was a little bit odd, but she figured he had just been out the night before. So she asked him, you know, where have you been or what have you been doing? And he told her that he had just been driving around. So this was a little bit strange. I believe this was at seven something in the morning when he returned and had just been out driving his car around with no real explanation. Jenny also noticed that he seemed a little nervous and she described him seeming like he was on a mission. He ended up sitting down with her and he told her that he might be gone for the weekend. She said, okay, what are your plans? And he didn't really answer her. He didn't tell her what his plans were for the weekend, but he said that he had had an epiphany. And when she asked when it was, he said that he couldn't really explain it. Ginny said that it seemed to her that he found it too hard to talk about. He told her that he just didn't know if he was going to make it. But as she was getting ready to leave for work, she told him that they could talk about it more when they saw each other later in the day. You know, she figured when there was more time, they could have a better conversation about it. And she had no idea that that was going to be the last time that she would ever talk to him. Looking back, she said that she wished she had talked to him then, but she didn't realize that this was going to be her last chance before he disappeared. She said, quote, it was a big mistake, unquote. But at the time, you know, she didn't realize it. Why would she? It's a lot easier to look back on things. You know, hindsight is a lot clearer. But at the time, she just figured, you know, she didn't have a lot of time. She was probably rushing to get ready to leave for work. And it didn't seem like Logan really wanted to give her much information on it anyways. So she figured, you know, they could sit down and have a better conversation later on that night. But unfortunately, that didn't happen. Now, I was a little confused about this as well, because in a few sources, it said that Ginny and Logan were both getting ready to head out to work that morning. But in other sources, it just specifies that Ginny was getting ready to go to work. And I'm not sure what Logan's plans were for that day. Now, he did tell her that he was going away for the weekend, but this was only Wednesday, so I couldn't find it anywhere what he was supposed to be doing that day. You know, did he have the day off? Was he supposed to go to work? Did he not go to work? I was interested in knowing if he was supposed to be at work and hadn't gone, or if he had gone to work that day, but I couldn't find that information. So Ginny got home later that day, but Logan wasn't home. And it sounds like she wasn't really concerned yet that Logan wasn't there. This was something that she said that he did. She said that sometimes he would take off for, quote, long periods of time, unquote. Ginny wasn't too worried because, again, this wasn't unlike him. Although, like I said, in that first interview, it seems like it would have been unlike him, but maybe it just wasn't mentioned. So his grandmother did try to reach out to him a couple of times. So she texted him on Wednesday, letting him know she said this. I usually get texts and I get emails. If you need me for anything, I love you. And he replied to her later on in that afternoon. So he replied Wednesday at 4.23 p.m. And he said something along the lines of, you know, thank you and that he loved her too. So looking further into this, it turns out Logan did respond to a text to his mother. I believe this was on Wednesday. And he said, I've been up and down kind of all over. I love you too. So the next morning, on Thursday, Ginny realized that he hadn't come home and he still wasn't home. So she texted him and she said, didn't see you this morning, are you okay? And that was at 1.38 p.m. He never replied to that. And then she texted him later on that evening at 8.45 p.m. And she said, something wrong with your TV. So I guess when she returned home, Logan's TV had been moved out into one of the main living areas, one of the main rooms, and it had been unplugged. So it had been taken out of his room. It's unclear as to why. I'm not sure if the TV was broken, if somebody else had moved it. It's definitely strange, though. He did get a text from a man, and I'm not going to name his name here, but this was on Thursday, and the text said $75 half. 
and I believe that that was the last text message that he received. So his grandmother did end up checking a tracking app of his phone, which was on her phone, and it showed her that Logan's phone was in Olympia, Washington, near where his mom lived. So she figured he was visiting with her. Again, he and his mother did have a relationship with one another, so it wasn't uncommon for them to spend some time together. Now the next day, Friday, so the last time she saw him was Wednesday, and now it's Friday, he still isn't home, and she still hasn't heard from him. And you know, she last thought on Thursday that he was visiting his mother in Olympia, but come Friday, she thinks it's strange that he would have spent the night there. I think he had occasionally, but for the most part, it was very unlike him to have spent the night at his mother's. In one interview, she said that he never stayed at his mother's, but in another interview, she said that it did happen once in a while. But she ended up reaching out to Logan's sister, Chloe, and she asked Chloe to call Logan's mom to see if he was there. And I'm not sure why she had Chloe call. Again, this is one of those things where this, you know, different interviews, there's just different information. Originally, I thought she reached out to the mom, but it sounds like she had her granddaughter do it for her. As far as the whole situation with the mom goes, her and Ginny are not on speaking terms, according to Ginny. And maybe this isn't important, but I do think that it speaks a little bit to the dynamics within the family, because as we go further, you'll learn that there is some tension within the family. And that's why I am pointing some of this stuff out because I, you know, maybe it has something to do with his disappearance or maybe it doesn't at all. But anyways, Ginny asked Chloe to call Logan's mother, so she did. But Logan's mother said that he wasn't there and he had not been there at all. So his grandmother believes she had last seen Logan Wednesday, May 18th. And just to point out here, if you look into this case, you'll see all different dates of when Logan last was seen, whether that be the 18th, the 19th. Even Jenny herself says she thinks it was the 18th, but isn't actually certain. So looking further into this, Jenny had Chloe reach out to his mother, and his mother said something along the lines of she hadn't seen him in a day or two. So again, a lot of conflicting information because originally it sounded like the mother hadn't seen him at all, he hadn't been over there, but by Friday, she said she hadn't seen him in a day or two, so who knows what that really means. It sounds like maybe she did see him either you know, Wednesday or Thursday, but again, I don't know. Apparently, Logan had been talking with her and Ginny just about wanting to move away, and he felt like his mother understood this side of him better, like he wanted to move somewhere else, which, you know, in light of him disappearing, definitely makes it seem like, hey, did he leave? I guess the police actually said that this is one of the few cases where they felt like maybe it was possible that he did actually run away. But it's also just a normal thing that a 19-year-old that has just dropped out of college or not been able to go back to college is living back at home. It's a normal thing that a 19-year-old would be thinking about, that he wants to move away, he wants to have his own independence. So at this point, Jenny was definitely getting worried. But she remembered that Logan had told her that he was going to be away for the weekend. So Saturday morning came, and she called the Thurston County Police Department. But the office was closed, and at the time, she didn't feel like it was a situation that would require a 911 call. It didn't really seem like an emergency, and, you know, some people might question this, but again, he was 19 years old, he was an adult, he had spent a year away, 300 miles away at college. You know, he was responsible, he worked. Yes, he was a little bit withdrawn, but he had basically gotten kicked out of college and was trying to figure things out, so it made sense. He had also, you know, moved away from his friend group at the end of high school, so maybe it just made sense to her that he wasn't being as social as he once was. 
So, again, her not thinking it's an emergency. I mean, she probably thought he was gone somewhere for the weekend. Now, I don't know if she thought he was gone with friends that she didn't know or if she thought he was just gone by himself. Like, I'm not really sure about all that. But regardless, she didn't end up making any more phone calls about that. But she and her husband, Bill, ended up getting in their car and driving around Tumwater, where they lived, driving around Olympia, where Logan's phone had pinged. You know, they called people trying to get in touch with anybody that might know where he was. And at this point, they didn't find him or his car. So on Monday, May 23rd, she went to the Thurston County Police Department and she reported Logan as missing. She thought that if she did this in person, it would be taken more seriously. And of course, at first, you know, they basically said he's an adult. He can come and go as he pleases. And it didn't sound like there was anything that made this especially worrisome. Nothing really seemed suspicious. And, you know, that was obviously frustrating for the family. They did ask her some questions. And Ginny mentioned that Logan drove a black 1996 Chrysler Sebring. And after looking into it a bit, police discovered that Logan's car had been found parked at milepost 92 on the side of Interstate 5 between Tumwater and Maytown. This was about 10 miles away from his home, and because the car had just been left abandoned there, it ended up being towed. So they were able to see that his car had ended up being abandoned and towed. So now things were looking a little bit more suspicious. But not so much that they were worried about any evidence being in the car because the police told the family that they could go pick it up. You know, at this point, they weren't concerned about any foul play or anything like that. So Ginny went to get it. And when she did, she noticed that there was still quite a bit of stuff in the car that made her feel worried. Inside of the car was Logan's wallet. There was no money in it, his phone, his license, and several bags of food. Inside one of the bags, there were some sandwich wrappers and things like that, but there was also cash, between $15 to $25. In the trunk, there were some things found like a blanket, some clothes, and some DVDs, which Ginny said was, quote, kind of weird, unquote. But, you know, if he had been planning on going somewhere that weekend, then she felt like that did make a little bit of sense. But overall, inside of the car seemed to be fine. There didn't seem to be anything strange or amiss. Now, Logan's grandfather, though, did note that there was some damage on one of the seats that he had believed had not been there before. But that's all the information I could find out about this. I'm not sure what kind of damage or what that might have implied or where the damage was, like which particular seat. And, you know, I don't know the last time he was in Logan's car. Had he been in it recently? Was he adamant that this damage had not been there before? I don't know. That's all I could find on that. But anyways, because there was the license, you know, the wallet, the phone left in the car, Jenny ended up calling the police back. One of the main things was that everybody that knew Logan knew that he always had his phone with him. You know, he was on it often, like most people his age in 2016 and now, and it would have been very unlike him to just leave his phone behind. And on top of this, Logan actually had a severe peanut allergy and he didn't have his EpiPen on him. He had left it behind at home. So that was also a concern as well. But I don't think that this was considered a concern. Like, I'm not sure if the family mentioned this to police or if police found this concerning. And I'm not sure if this would qualify somebody as more of like a high risk missing person. I know somebody with certain medical conditions would be considered more high risk, but I don't know if you know, traveling without an EpiPen, having a severe peanut allergy would, you know, put that person in the same bracket. 
I actually just noticed it in his missing persons report where they were describing, you know, what he was last seen wearing, what he looked like, things like that. And they also mentioned that he had a severe peanut allergy and wasn't traveling with an EpiPen. After discovering the abandoned car, it was figured out that three different calls had come in on Friday, May 20th, reporting on Logan's car. It was said that his car had the convertible top down and was seen veering slowly through different lanes before it ended up hitting the center concrete barrier and coming to a stop. Some callers said that it appeared nobody was driving the car. Another said that the car did hit the barrier and then he saw the door open and close, then saw someone jump over the passenger seat and run into the woods. So just by looking at pictures of this highway, it appears there's highway, you know, roadway, on both sides of the center barrier and then woods on either side of that. Another caller had something different to say, and there is some discrepancy about this. There's really two different accounts that I've seen in different sources, and they each get reported multiple times. One source said that there was somebody driving by, and they saw the car hit the barrier, then saw the door open and close, then saw someone jump over the passenger side and run into the woods. But other accounts say that this person saw somebody get out of the car, jump out and run into the woods before the car went onto the highway and in through the traffic. So to me, that account seems more plausible. So there's just a discrepancy between whether this person saw somebody get out of the car before the car went onto the highway and veered through different lanes or after it hit the center barrier. And because they described this person running into the woods, it seems that they would have gotten out of the car beforehand because they would have been closer to the woods. And nowhere did I see any reports of a person running across, you know, multiple lanes of traffic on the highway. So I believe that the account where this person got out of the car and ran into the woods before the car started moving is probably the more likely one. Looking at pictures of the highway, it seems that there is a center barrier in the middle. And then on either side of that is roadway, you know, the highway going in different directions, north and south. And then on both sides of the highway of the roadway, there's woods. So it would be difficult if somebody crashed into that center barrier to then run across the entire highway into the woods, which is why I think it makes more sense that the account where this person saw somebody run into the woods before the car started moving is more likely what happened. Now, this report was given by a truck driver that was passing by, and he described the person he saw running into the woods as a Caucasian male with brown or red hair. And here's a little bit more confusion, but some accounts say that this man saw him jump out of the passenger side and run into the woods. Others say that he jumped over the passenger side, meaning that he was coming from the driver's side and then ran into the woods. Now, this man was shown a photo of Logan, and he said that the person he saw was not Logan. And again, he did describe him as a Caucasian male, and Logan was not Caucasian. He was black, so it does make sense that he probably did not see Logan that day. Although you have to remember, this guy was just driving by. He was in a truck, so he was up high. You know, he would have had probably a better view, but he was driving by. He didn't stop, so anything he saw was very quick. I don't know how true that is. It's very difficult to confirm, but I think that that makes sense. So if the sightings are correct, the truck driver sighting is correct, it sounds like somebody put the car in drive and then jumped out of it, ran into the woods, and the car made its way across multiple lanes of traffic before hitting that center barrier and stopping. So it sounds like this car, you know, their intent was for it to crash. And again, people that had called that day said that they did not see anybody actually driving the car. So I think that whoever, you know, sent it into the highway, they were not inside of it or driving it at this time. They probably did something to make it, you know, go. <laughs> I'm not sure 
how they made the car go across traffic. Again, it was very difficult to find information about this. I don't know if they put something on the gas pedal. You know, it could have been in neutral too. There's no information on whether the car was in drive, in neutral, if there was damage to the car, anything like that, if the car was locked, if it was unlocked. Now, supposedly the car was traveling with the convertible down, which I thought was a little odd because the high that day was, I believe, between 62, 66 degrees. Now, 66, you're airing, getting a little bit warmer, but still to be driving on the highway with the top down in the 60s at all is just kind of unusual. So I thought that was strange, but it does actually make more sense how people could tell if there wasn't somebody driving the car, if there was somebody in the car. Again, different witness accounts came. Some people said that there was somebody in the car. Others said that there was nobody. So after this, with not much else to go on, the police looked at Logan's cell phone records. And they were able to determine that Logan's cell phone, you know, maybe Logan was with his cell phone, maybe he wasn't, but his cell phone had traveled towards Interstate 5 South on May 20th. Then it was turned around to head north, only to turn around again to head south. You know, then the car stopped where it was eventually found. So it was said he drove around 100 miles down towards Vancouver, Washington, before turning around and coming back towards Tumwater. Again, there's conflicting information with this as well. Some accounts say that the cell phone activity stopped around 3.45 in the morning, but the phone calls of the sightings of the car that crashed into the center barrier were in the afternoon around 2 p.m. So I don't know if there's just a lot of misinformation out there, but I do want to give all of the information I've come across because it's not like I see this in one spot. There's multiple sources reporting conflicting information, and it's hard to verify, you know, which is which. The calls that come in around 2 p.m. can be verified because they are talked about by investigators in the documentaries that I watched, so I believe that's accurate. As far as the cell phone activity stopping at 3.45 in the morning, I'm not sure if maybe that was just an error that was reported and then reported on again. Perhaps the cell phone activity stopped at 3.45 in the afternoon. I think that makes a lot more sense because, again, the reports came in of the car crashing around 2 p.m. The cell phone was found in the car. It was dead when it was found, meaning that the battery had died. So to me, it makes sense that the cell phone died around 3.45 p.m., and that's why, you know, anything associated with the cell phone's movements stopped around that time. So again, though, that's just what I am assuming from the information that I have, although there are reports out there that do give alternative times. So as far as I understand it, the phone stops pinging at around 3.45 a.m. Now, I could be, it could be p.m., but I believe it stops at 3.45 a.m. So this drive and everything that happened was most likely on Thursday. Now, the weird part of this, though, is that Logan's phone actually connected to the home Wi-Fi on Thursday evening at around 8.45 p.m., and in order for a phone to do that, it has to be near the Wi-Fi, so he would have had to have been home at that time. And then it sounds like he went on this drive where he, you know, went down towards the Vancouver area, which, again, was 100 miles away. It wasn't exactly close and then spent around 45 minutes there before coming back in the direction towards Tumwater. And again, we don't know that this was Logan that was doing this. It was just his phone. So that could mean a couple of things. He was just driving for fun. He was going down with the intention of possibly meeting the girl that he had been texting, or maybe this had nothing to do with her. Maybe he was going down there to buy weed or something. It's unclear. We don't know. But whatever he was doing there or whatever the phone was doing there, it only really spent around 45 minutes as far as I can tell by different things that I've been researching and then turned around and came back towards the Tumwater area. And then again, this is a little confusing, but it seems like his phone dies around 3.45 a.m. on Friday. Now, I am going to touch back on the differences with the time of the car crash and all of that sort of stuff in a little bit. So just keep that in mind. 
So again, we do know that the cell phone, at least, did travel around 100 miles down towards Vancouver, Washington, before turning around and coming back towards Tumwater. Some accounts say that the car turned around multiple times, going south, north, you know, and then south again, then north again. And other accounts make it sound like he just went down, or at least the cell phone and the car, went down towards Vancouver and then headed back towards Tumwater. And this is just according to the cell phone. That does not mean that Logan was with his cell phone. That does not mean that he was even in the car. It just means that that's where the cell phone was traveling. And we assume the car as well because the cell phone was found in the car. You know, or of course, was somebody else driving his car with his phone in it, which if somebody was driving his car with his phone in it, you have to wonder, you know, if somebody did something to him, why not just get rid of the phone? Why keep the phone in the car? Maybe because it makes it seem like this was Logan driving around because it was his car and it was his phone. And that's what I have to think, that if somebody did do something to him, then they probably left the phone and all of his things in there because, you know, they did something to him, not with the intention to steal his items, but for other intentions that obviously we don't know about, and then left his car with his phone so that it seems like he had just been driving around or they just were, you know, in a hurry and just didn't think to take anything out of the car. Investigators checked out counties where the phone had connected with cell towers. So they talked to different hospitals in the area, they called police departments in these areas, and they found no information on Logan. Now, my curiosity around this is, what does it mean by they checked out counties where the phone had connected with cell towers? We're talking about a hundred mile stretch here, so I'm unclear about how many times a cell phone would connect with a cell tower during that stretch of mileage. So on average, the maximum range of a cell tower is about 25 miles. But the typical coverage radius of a cell tower is one to three miles. And in areas where it's more dense, you know, more people, urban environments, it only reaches about a mile before another cell tower picks up that user's connectivity. So I feel like that's a very big range of coverage that these cell towers provide. And we don't need to go into this huge thing about how cell towers work and all that. I guess my question here, and this is just something that crossed my mind, is the investigators, and they were talking about this in the more recent documentary, I believe, or it was actually like a podcast uh, through Dateline, but they discussed checking out counties where the cell phone had connected with cell towers. So my question here and like what I'm getting at is, did they check out every county? (laughs) Did they check out every town on that stretch between Tumwater and Vancouver? You know, because it's a pretty big, 100 miles is a lot of different towns. So did they check out every one? You know what I'm saying? I'm assuming they did, but I don't know. Again, that's not confirmed. I ask this because he could have ended up anywhere in that stretch. He could have ended up anywhere outside of that stretch. But if we're, you know, narrowing in our focus to this 100 miles between Vancouver and Tumwater, if they only checked certain areas that would leave a lot of things left out and places that could have been missed where Logan could have ended up. So that's just my question. I don't want to go off too much on a tangent on this. If you know more about cell towers and that stuff, please reach out to me because I am curious about this, but I don't know if it's important or not. I just, it crossed my mind, so I wanted to share it. Now, in addition to looking at his cell phone records, police did end up taking Logan's computer as well as some other belongings from his room because they were hopeful that this would give them some more information about his whereabouts. And his family was very open with giving out his belongings to help them with the investigation. So they openly gave police his belongings so that they could look further into things. So looking at his phone as well as his laptop, they figured out that Logan had been talking to a few friends online. He had also been talking to a girl he'd met through a dating app. 
Now, this girl lived in an area that was close to Vancouver, Washington, which is where Logan's car, or at least cell phone and car, had been traveling to around the time of his disappearance. But upon talking to her, she said that they had never met and they didn't have any plans to meet. But it turns out that she had texted him asking when they were going to meet. They did see a strange text that Logan had sent to her right before he went missing. And it said, quote, I hope to survive this week, unquote. But he didn't give any explanation as to why, and she was unclear about what it meant or what the context was. So it does sound ominous, but it could really mean a lot of different things. I could see somebody saying that if they're working a lot of hours that week, if they have a lot on their plate that week and they're just tired or worn out or they have a lot to do, you know, the week ahead is looking stressful. I could definitely see somebody texting that, especially it sounded like I don't think they were dating, but maybe they were moving in that direction. But on the other hand, especially knowing that he did end up disappearing, it could mean something more ominous. I hope to survive this week. I mean, was he worried that somebody was after him? Was he worried that something bad was going to happen? We don't know. But they ruled her out as having anything to do with his disappearance, you know, or him having traveled there to go visit her. It sounds like that was ruled out completely. Now, a few hours after Logan's car hit the barrier at 1.05 a.m. on May 21st, a call came in reporting a black teenager slash man, you know, somebody that looked to be in their late teens, early 20s, walking near the area where Logan's car had been left. Now, this caller didn't have any knowledge of the car crash or of Logan being missing. They were calling because this person that was walking around was walking around. They seemed disoriented and they also were not wearing any pants. Now, they looked back on this call after learning about Logan's disappearance, wondering if it had any relation, because the description of the person walking around did fit Logan's description. And this call came in, so we know his car crashed in the afternoon, and this call came in, you know, in the early morning hours of the following day, so just several hours after his car had crashed. So it definitely could have had something to do with him. It could have been Logan. But that night when the call came in, teams were sent out and there was no one there and they really aren't sure if that had anything to do with Logan. Now Logan's grandmother Ginny did say that the area where this person was seen was in an area where there were a lot of crack houses according to her, so a lot of drug use, meaning that you know this could have been somebody that you know was on drugs and that's why they appeared disoriented and it might have had nothing to do with logan but it could also mean that maybe logan was more involved in drugs than his family or friends had thought or maybe this wasn't logan at all a search was organized by logan's uncle his uncle named mike that we've been talking about now he was a retired police officer so he did have more knowledge in this area and this is the same uncle that logan had worked for on his farm So he had the two miles surrounding the interstate searched, you know, the interstate where they had found the abandoned car. They also searched the woods in that area. This was done on foot as well as by aircraft, but there were no signs of Logan. The aircraft even used heat sensing technology that would have been able to detect, you know, a body or somebody walking around or somebody, you know, not walking around and just staying still, but nothing was detected. Different types of dogs were also used to search multiple areas, but they found nothing. His uncle, Mike, spoke to NBC News in June of 2016 and said, quote, The area is extremely thick and brushy. I've spent hours out there searching myself. Canines are brought to search, and it's been covered extensively, but nothing has been found, unquote. Logan's family ended up hiring a private investigator to look into his disappearance, but there was really not a lot of information to go off of, so it made the search very difficult. And, you know, Logan's car wasn't able to be searched for any potential evidence. 
because it had been towed. It had been processed by a crime lab. So there really was not a lot to go off of at all. A few weeks after his disappearance in May, on May 26, the police believed they had gotten a new tip because there was activity on Logan's Facebook account. It appeared he had tagged himself at the Olympia airport. So right away they were like, hmm, maybe he's trying to go to Saudi Arabia because apparently he had recently learned more information about his father who he had never met right before he went missing. Now, I don't know how soon before he went missing he learned this information. That I'm not clear on. I don't know if it was a few days before, months, weeks. I don't know. But it seems he had been talking to his mom about, you know, his father who was in Saudi Arabia. So when they saw him check in at the airport, they were wondering if maybe he was trying to go meet up with his father, go to Saudi Arabia. But they didn't think he'd be able to travel because, you know, he had left his license in the car. I don't believe he had a passport on him or if he had one at all, I'm not sure. Either way, if he did have one, he didn't have it with him. Logan was definitely interested in learning more about his father. And his mother had told him that he did live in Saudi Arabia. Ginny said that Logan never spoke about wanting to meet his father, but she also said that it didn't mean that he wasn't thinking about it. Unfortunately, this tip went nowhere because when they looked further into it, they realized that the check-in was actually from a year earlier, May 26, 2015, and Facebook had reposted it, you know, as like a memory or something like that. I'm not sure how they didn't notice that right away, but whatever the case, you know, it turned out not to be an actual lead and he hadn't actually checked in there. That had been from a year before. So as far as this Facebook thing, it is weird because typically with Facebook memory posts, and I don't use Facebook very often at all, actually, <laughs> um, very rarely, but typically Facebook will prompt, you know, the user, hey, you have this memory, do you want to share it? So the user would have to say, yes, I want to share it. It wouldn't just post on its own. So it sounds like it's possible that Ginny posted this by accident because she did have access to Logan's phone at this point. She had gotten it out of the car. And she had turned it back on on May 23rd, which was the Monday that she had reported him missing. So it's possible maybe a notification came through and she did end up posting it. As time went on, and this is discussed in, you know, the documentary and podcast about Logan, some of his family members said that Logan was not happy living at home. His uncle, Mike, said that Logan was, quote, not happy being in the home even before he went off to college. When he came back, he was even more unhappy, unquote. So I'm not sure what that means. I definitely think it speaks to tension within Logan's family between his great aunt and uncle and his grandmother, especially if you do watch the documentary, you can definitely pick up on some tension there. And it does sound like Logan spent a good amount of time with his great aunt and uncle. It sounds like they visited. So I'm not sure, but there does seem to be a little bit of blame and tension between the grandmother and the aunt and uncle. More from the aunt and uncle towards the grandmother than the other way around. But the aunt and uncle said that Logan seemed unhappy living with his grandmother. Now, a big part of this reason is when he moved back from college, there was somebody else living there. So his sister, his sister Chloe, who was two years older than him, had moved in her boyfriend Jake. And Jake either moved his two young kids in or they visited a lot. Again, it depends which source you look at, but it sounds like at the very least his kids were visiting often. Now, Jake was 26, and by all accounts, it sounds like Logan did not get along with Jake. Jake had a history of domestic violence and assault, and Logan told his Aunt Mary that Jake was a, quote, problem, unquote, although he didn't give her any more details, and she said, quote, it was almost like he was afraid to talk about it, unquote. 
Now, Ginny said that Logan and Jake did have some disagreements and she wouldn't call them good friends, but she said it wasn't anything extreme and it never became physical. She said they mostly avoided each other, but other people, like his aunt and uncle, say that this was not the case and that some of their fights did become physical, so it's hard to know what was actually happening. But I think what we can get out of this is that Logan was not comfortable with Jake living in the home and he definitely, you know, didn't like him. Now, Logan's uncle and aunt believe that Jake is somehow involved in Logan's disappearance. You know, they flat out state this, that they believe that he is involved somehow. Jake was asked about what he was doing the day that Logan disappeared, and he gave varying responses. So, you know, he'd say one thing, and then he said actually he was doing something else. So it definitely looked a little suspicious. Now, sometime after Logan went missing, Jake ended up being arrested, and this gave police the chance to ask him some more questions about Logan's disappearance. Jake actually agreed to do a polygraph test. He didn't have to, they asked him, and he agreed to do so. Now, he was asked if he had anything to do with Logan's disappearance, and he said no, and it appeared that he was telling the truth. Now, Logan's uncle, Mike, who, again, is a retired police officer, said that yes, polygraph tests can be helpful, but they aren't always accurate. It's not only his aunt and uncle that believe that maybe Jake had something to do with Logan's disappearance. Another family member was concerned about this as well. And this is Logan's great-aunt Tina. So Logan's great-aunt Tina is actually his mother's father's sister. (laughs) So Logan's grandmother, Ginny, had been with a man and had Logan's mother, Hannah. Now, this man had been black. You know, therefore, Logan's mother was mixed race, and that's, you know, how Logan is mixed race. But he never had any relationship with this side of the family because shortly after Ginny had Hannah, she ended up splitting up with Hannah's father. There's differing versions on this based off of whether the grandmother is talking about it or the aunt, but it sounds like after Ginny had her daughter Hannah, Logan's mother, she split up with her father and then was pretty much done with his family, so on and so forth. Logan's aunt Tina said that Ginny completely cut off that side of the family and also allowed them to have nothing to do with Logan and I'm assuming Chloe as well. But Ginny says that that's not true. She said that they never reached out or wanted anything to do with Logan. She said she did hear from them once or twice during a six-month period when Logan was little. So I'm not sure if that was right after he was born or just when he was younger. But she said that was it. And after that, they never tried again. So I'm not sure what went on here. But it sounds like this side of the family, you know, which would have been Logan's other grandparents, relatives, it sounds like they had no connection. And some of Logan's family members say that he had no idea they even existed. Now, somehow, some way, Logan's great-aunt Tina ended up getting in contact with Logan when he was 18, right before he went off to college. Logan ended up going to meet Tina, and they had dinner, and she said that it was, quote, like love at first sight, unquote. She also said that he looked a lot like her brother, who would have been Logan's grandfather. She said that his eyes were wide, he was in awe looking at pictures of all of his relatives, and he said that it was nice to finally see someone that looked like him. Now remember, he had grown up in a primarily white family, in a primarily white town, so his aunt Tina believed that meeting with him and discovering, you know, other members of his family was really good for him. She said that she could tell that he was listening to every word she was saying, he seemed really interested in learning about this side of his family. She said it seemed like he just wanted to know more about his background, and he asked a lot of questions. Now she said these were questions that he wasn't able to get answered by his grandmother Ginny. 
And she also said that Logan was really worried that Ginny was going to find out that he had visited Tina, and he thought that his grandmother was going to be upset about this. But his grandmother Ginny said that that was not true, that Logan did tell her that he was visiting his Aunt Tina. And Ginny says that after Logan met with his Aunt Tina, he told Ginny that he couldn't understand why his Aunt Tina had complained so much about Ginny. So again, I don't know. This just speaks to more tension within the family. But all in all, Tina told Logan that he could come by whenever he wanted, and she said that he seemed really excited about going to college. While he was in college, she stayed in touch with him on Facebook, and she noticed he was posting quotes from Malcolm X and Martin Luther King, and she said he seemed to like one particular quote that said, quote, if you want to be heard in this world, you have to make some noise, unquote. And she says in one of the documentaries that she believes Logan did want to be heard, and from looking at his Facebook, seeing things that he posted, she got the sense that he was struggling, so she would try to send him some encouraging messages. And she said it seemed like he was a bit depressed, but she wasn't given the impression that he was, you know, she said depressed in a way that he wanted to hurt himself, just in a way that he seemed a little bit lost, which is also, you know, the same way that other members of his family described him. Now, Tina said that once he left college, he completely stopped talking to her. He didn't respond to her messages. She said she invited him for Thanksgiving and, you know, would reach out to him from time to time, but she never heard back from him. Now, Tina says that she thinks Logan felt unsafe around Jake, so she also thinks that it's possible that he had something to do with Logan's disappearance. But again, Jake has been ruled out as a suspect or having anything to do with Logan's disappearance. Now, I'm not clear on why Tina thinks that he might have had something to do with it because it sounds like the issue with Jake really stemmed after Logan left college and moved back home and was living with Jake in the house. And Tina was not speaking to Logan at that time, so I'm unclear about how she would have known he was having issues with him or anything like that. Or how she would be able to say that Logan felt unsafe around Jake unless there's something I'm not understanding and he, you know, had maybe been living there before Logan went to college. But from everything I researched, it sounds like Jake actually moved into the house in the summer of 2015. So I'm not sure how Tina would have known that Logan felt unsafe around Jake if he had stopped speaking to her once he was done with college. I don't know. Maybe he did say something. I'm not sure. Regardless, Tina also said that she hoped that maybe Logan was thinking that he just had to get away from, you know, his family, from where he lived, and, you know, have a new chance, start fresh. But that's just her hope. He didn't say anything to her along those lines. As far as Jake goes and the whole situation with Jake, I did listen to a lot of the Hide and Seek podcast, which is several episodes about Logan's disappearance, and the person that does this podcast actually had the case files available to him. So I definitely recommend checking out that podcast if you want some more detailed information about this disappearance that can't all be shared in one episode. But in that podcast, he interviews several family members. He talks to Ginny. He talks to Logan's Aunt Mary. And his Aunt Mary is actually the one that approached this podcaster and asked if they could do a season on Logan. But he was unable to talk to Logan's sister, Chloe, and he was unable to talk to Jake, except for one occasion he contacted him on the phone, but after that he never really heard from him again. You know, it's also said that when the private investigator was hired, you know, he wanted to speak to Chloe and Jake as well, and, you know, they wouldn't get back to him, so he went and spoke to Ginny at one point and then later found out that Chloe and Jake had actually been there 
while he was talking to Ginny. So it's just odd. I mean, again, I'm not trying to like judge anybody, but when trying to find somebody, it does seem strange that, you know, people wouldn't want to speak to others or maybe they just feel like they're being suspected and they don't want to talk to somebody about it because they don't appreciate that because they're not involved at all. You know, it's like you're kind of hard if they do, hard if they don't kind of situation. He also was not able to talk to Logan's mother. So definitely, again, just a lot of tension within the family. And I don't know if that has anything to do with anything, but it is kind of relevant because I do think it comes up a lot with this case. As far as Jake goes, he did lie about what he was doing on May 19th. So it's a little confusing because if you read about this anywhere, Logan was last seen by his grandmother on May 18th when they had the conversation where he told her that he just didn't know if he was going to make it and he had had an epiphany. And then by all accounts, it seems that after that, nobody hears from him again, but that's actually not the case. It sounds like he actually did come home later on on the evening of May 18th, but his grandmother was already asleep. He came home really late at night. And then it sounds like his sister is actually the last one to see him on Thursday, and that's where they got the description of the outfit that he was wearing. So he actually did return home late on Wednesday evening and then left, as far as we know, Thursday at some point. Now let's talk about Jake for a bit because, you know, Logan's aunt and uncle believe that he has something to do with Logan's disappearance, actually two of his aunts. And again, he was given a polygraph and he did pass it. But Logan's uncle, who is a former police officer, a sheriff, you know, he says that they can be reliable, but they're not always 100%. Now, Jake originally said that on May 19th, he was working all day long. Come to find out, he actually wasn't working. And that was only found out when they ended up looking at text messages. And so then he changed his story and he said that he was at a river with Logan's sister Chloe just floating on the river, whatever that means. But strangely, his phone records show that him and Chloe were texting or calling that day. So it didn't really make sense that they would have been together. Another strange thing is the high that day was 62 degrees. So definitely a little strange to be floating on a river, but we don't know all the information. It's just odd that he wasn't truthful about that. Also really strange was that there was somebody that said that they had been dating Chloe after her brother disappeared. And she had told him one night that Jake had something to do with Logan's disappearance, but after that evening, she denied it and had nothing further to say about it, didn't want to talk about it again. Now, this person did know that there was a reward available for any information given about Logan's disappearance, so it's very possible that was the motivation for sharing this story, or it's possible that it's true. Again, we don't know the exact relationship between Logan and Jake. There was definitely arguments. Jake's kids were there on and off, and Ginny said that he wasn't very pleasant to live with, he didn't pay rent or contribute in any way, and the only reason they let him stay as long as they did is because Chloe was in college and they just wanted him to stay until she was done college because they worried if they kicked him out before that that she wouldn't finish college. But she did say that Logan avoided him, so clearly he didn't like the guy. Now, did they get into any physical altercations? We don't know. There's all sorts of different opinions on that one, depending on whether Jake's talking about it, the grandmother, the aunt and uncle. We just don't know. Now, the truck driver who had said that he had seen somebody jump out of the car before it went across the highway was actually shown a picture of Jake by a private investigator that was hired by Logan's aunt and uncle, and he said that it did look like the person that had jumped out of the car. But it's hard to say that that really means anything. You know, that's a difficult thing to really say, oh yeah, that's definitely 100% factual for many reasons. So around a year later, on June 26, 2017, 
Logan's family launched a renewed effort to bring in new leads. So they put up posters, they posted on social media. And because of this, a woman actually called into the police and said that she had seen Logan's car on the freeway the day he went missing. Now, she had some interesting things to say. She said she had been heading to work in the morning and she drove by a car that was parked on the right side of Interstate 5. She said that she saw two Caucasian males that were standing at the back of the car, along with another male who she said was Logan. Now, I'm guessing she said that she knew it was Logan because at this point there were pictures of him. You know, she had seen whether it was the flyers or the missing posters or on social media, she had seen a picture of him. And she thinks that he is one of the three men that she saw standing by his car. She said that when she drove home from work later that evening, the car was still there, but at this point, there was no one with it, and the hood was lifted. She provided descriptions of the men that were with Logan, and one of the descriptions was eventually used to create a sketch in June of 2017. Now, unfortunately, this sketch and this information didn't lead to anything. So this woman said that she saw Logan's black convertible on the right shoulder of southbound I-5 near exit 96, and this was in the morning on her way to work. And then when she was returning home later that evening, she said the vehicle was in the same spot, but this time its hood was open. Now, when she was driving into work in the morning, she noticed that there were three men that were standing with the car in the rear of the car. She said one man appeared to be Logan. And remember, at this point, his picture was out there and she had responded to, you know, whether it was a social media post or a missing poster she had seen. So she knew what Logan looked like. And she said one of the people was him and the other two were two men. One of the men she described was white, six feet tall, very thin, with thin blonde hair that was in a bowl cut. She said he was wearing jeans that were too short and a tank top that was too small. She said the other man was also white and he had shoulder length blonde hair he was wearing a flannel shirt and jeans. So they only did one sketch. Now, the reason that they only did one sketch of one of the men and not the other is because her view of the second man, which is the one who was described as having shoulder-length blonde hair, wearing a flannel shirt and jeans, I believe, was from the side. So they didn't think that she had a good enough look at him in order to be able to release a sketch. Okay, so a couple questions about this sighting and a couple of thoughts. It appears that this woman, like her account of what she saw, is a lot different from the other accounts that were called in the day he went missing. She says that the car was on the right shoulder of the road, and everyone else said that the car was at that center barrier in the middle around 2 p.m. Now, the issue with this is that she says she saw the car there in the morning, and then she also saw it in the same spot when she returned home later that day. It said evening, but it could have been afternoon, which doesn't really add up with the other accounts. The other thing is she said that she saw Logan there. Nobody else reported seeing him there. Nobody reported seeing the car with the hood up on the side of the road. So it's just, it doesn't really add up. You know, had she seen it there in the morning and not on her way home, I think it would have made a little bit more sense. But according to her, she saw it there in the morning with Logan and two other males with him. And then later on that day, around 2 p.m., the car was seen veering across lanes of traffic and then crashing pretty much. And someone saw a white male running off into the woods. So it is possible that they were there earlier in the day. Maybe there was an issue with the car and then one person returned to, you know, I don't know, crash the car. I think the accounts just differ a little bit, but it does seem like they were in the same area. I'm sure she did see the car. I just don't know. I'm a little confused about the timing and how she would have seen the car still on the right shoulder of the road when she returned home from work. 
Now this witness, I was very confused about this, but I did some further digging and this witness believes that she saw Logan's car on the shoulder, the right shoulder of the road on May 19th. So that would have been the Thursday before the reports came in of the car drifting towards the center medium on Friday. So she says she saw the car there Thursday morning and then again when she returned home Thursday evening. Now she was being interviewed for that hide-and-seek podcast, and she says that the reason she remembers it was that day, it was because it was somebody close to her's birthday, so she remembered it had been that day, or at least she thought so, because she remembered leaving work early, and she thinks that she would have been doing that on this person's birthday. So I think with this whole report, maybe it's helpful. I don't know. You know, with these witness reports, you just never know. It could have been somebody else's car. It could have been a totally different day. This was reported a year later, and this is what the sketch was based off of. So some people say that the sketch looks like Logan's friend that was in the Disappeared episode, Dakota. I don't think it does at all. <laughs> other people say that the description of the other person that was with the Caucasian male that was sketched sounds like his friend. Again, I think that's really kind of reaching. And people seem to think he comes across as odd in his interview on that Disappeared episode. Personally, I thought he seemed pretty nice. I mean, I don't know. It's hard to read people. But to me, he seemed pretty genuine in his interviews, so I don't know. I didn't think he seemed off or suspicious at all. Kind of just seems like a laid-back, chill kind of guy. Logan's family said that he would never take off without telling them, and even if he did want to start a new life, they really think that he would have let them know that he was at least okay. His uncle, Mike, said, quote, There's just no question in my mind he would disappear on his own without letting someone know, unquote. His family says that they really miss him, they want him to still be alive, Tina says he was a beautiful young man, and she feels cheated that she was finally getting to know him, and then he was gone. She said, quote, Maybe he saw this as the only way to get out of this conflict, this dysfunctional family of his, unquote. Mike said that if Logan returned, he would be accepted. His grandmother, Ginny, says that no questions would be asked of him. They just want him to come home. His Aunt Mary says that she misses Logan every hour of every day. Even his friend Dakota, who he had stopped speaking to, said that it was pretty heartbreaking. And the fact that they don't know where he is, it's made it really hard for everybody to heal. Thurston County Detective Frank Frawley said, quote, This case bothers me big time, unquote. And he said he has no idea whether Logan is alive or not. Logan's family has offered a $10,000 reward for anyone with any information leading to a break in his case. Again, they want Logan to know that he's welcome home anytime, no matter what happened. They want him to know that he can always call them to at least let them know that he's okay, even if he doesn't want to come back home. They've made a Facebook group called Logan Schindelman is Missing, and his Aunt Mary and Uncle Mike ended up making rocks with volunteers that had information about Logan and his disappearance as well as where people could go to get more information about him. And they put these rocks in all different locations in the country, so if anybody happens to come across them and they haven't heard about Logan's disappearance, then they can get more information about that, and they're hoping maybe that will help lead to some new tips. Logan was last seen wearing a black windbreaker jacket, white shirt, jeans, and possibly Nike shoes. He was 5'11", around 160 pounds, with black hair and brown eyes when he was last seen at his home in Tumwater in 2016. Okay, so let's get into some theories as to what could have possibly happened to Logan. And let me just start off by saying that I have become kind of obsessed with this case because something about it, the further I looked into it and the more and more information I found out about this case, the more and more something didn't feel right. 
part of that is just different information being spread. So you have different times that you see in different sources. But another big part of that is just the fact that I listened to several things. So I listened to three different things where family members of Logan were interviewed. That was the Disappeared episode in 2018, and then the Hide and Seek podcast that was in 2021, and then a different podcast through Dateline that came out in 2023. So going off of just those sources where the family is actually speaking, even within that, there's conflicting information. And how many times am I going to say the word conflicting in this episode? I apologize. But there is. I mean, certain things are said. For instance, Logan had no friends and was very withdrawn after college. But then in a different interview, Logan spent a lot of time out of the house with friends that, you know, Ginny didn't know who they were. Well, you know, like, which is it? Did he not have friends? Did he have friends? Or Logan's mother, you know, it said that Ginny reached out to her and the mother said that she hadn't seen Logan at all. And then in a different interview, it said that Ginny doesn't speak to the mother, at least at the time of that interview, and had Chloe reach out to the mother and she said that she hadn't seen Logan in a day or two. That's very different than she hadn't seen him at all. You know, did the mother see him during the stretch of time between May 18th, May 20th, or did she not? Logan didn't speak to any of his friends, and then it turns out that he had actually sent a text to at least one of them, and that's just a small bit of information that we know. So, and I'm talking about the friends from high school, you know, did he speak to his friends or did he not? Logan was last seen on May 18th. No, actually, he was last seen on May 19th in the morning by his sister, but then again, his phone connected to the home Wi-Fi on the evening of May 19th, that Thursday. So, when was the last time somebody actually saw Logan? His cell phone, when did it die? Did it die around 3.45 in the morning or did it die closer to 3 in the afternoon? What was the exact time that the calls came in reporting the accident that the car had crashed into the center barrier? Was it 2 p.m.? Was it 3 p.m.? Did the witness who provided the information for the sketch that was put out in regards to Logan's case, did she see Logan's car on May 19th or May 20th? You know, she says she thinks it's the 19th. It's reported that she saw it on the 20th. So which is it? Anyways, those are just a couple of different things that run through my mind. You know, it just it's it's frustrating not to know certain information. And do I, as a random person just talking about this, need to know that information? No, I don't. But I just wonder if the general consensus around a lot of this information, as well as other stuff that we've talked about today, too, is known by, you know, the people investigating it by the family. And again, I think a big part of the problem is just that there's tension within Logan's family. And so that's probably why there's been, you know, miscommunications or different information given out. And I'm not saying that the family needs to divulge every little single piece of information or share personal things about their family dynamics. I'm just saying that I think, sadly, it just makes, you know, trying to figure out what happened here, it just makes the whole case more convoluted. And I think a lot of the information is either missing or it's confused or there's a lot of different variations on, you know, the same piece of information. And then there's certain members of the family that haven't spoken in any interviews. And I'm not saying anything against that. I don't think that you owe anything to anybody just because a member of your family goes missing. And I can definitely see not wanting to talk to people, especially people that are doing a podcast or a TV episode. I can see not wanting to be involved in that. Some people are just private or they're shy or maybe they're skeptical and they just don't know what the motivation or intention of, you know, this podcast or TV episode actually is. So they just want to be cautious and not get involved, or they don't think that they have anything to offer that's going to help out in any way. 
Or like in the case of Chloe and Jake, maybe it's just, you know, Jake especially, he's been named as being a suspect, even though he's been cleared by police. But there's family members of Logan that just come right out and say that they think he's involved in some way. So maybe they don't want to talk because they know that they're already being suspected of something. So they just have no interest in getting involved any further because maybe they feel like the intention behind wanting to interview them, you know, like Jake or something is coming from a place of accusation. And so they don't want to be involved because they're like, hey, I had nothing to do with this and I'm sick of being accused of having something to do with this. Let's get into the theory. So the first one I'm going to cover has to do with Logan's mental health. And I just want to say that I am not trying to sit here and diagnose Logan in any way. This is just coming from things, you know, some of the family wonders if maybe he was having more issues with his mental health than they were aware of. You know, schizophrenia, for instance, that is something that develops in males at Logan's age, you know, late teens, early 20s. So it's very possible that that may have been something that he was struggling with. And I'm going to share some of the symptoms of early signs of schizophrenia with you. It does tend to come on slowly and there's usually subtle signs that are kind of like warning signs and there's a gradual decline in functioning. You know, it's not something that typically comes on all at once and is very severe. It happens at a slower pace. A lot of times family and friends will kind of know that something seems a little bit amiss, but they won't exactly be able to point to what. So some of these symptoms can be the person seeming a little bit more eccentric or unmotivated, emotionless. They might be more withdrawn and start to isolate themselves more. They can begin to neglect their appearance or abandon hobbies or show like an indifference towards life. If they're in school, their grades may change, or if they're at work, you know, maybe they aren't showing up as much or they're showing up late. They can appear depressed, sometimes hostile, paranoid, or suspicious. Their sleep patterns may change. They may make odd or irrational statements or have kind of a strange way of speaking, which according to Ginny, Logan told her that he didn't know if he was going to make it. And I'm not sure if she, you know, dug into that anymore and asked exactly what that meant. But what we know, according to her, is that he said he didn't know if he was going to make it and that he had also had an epiphany of some sort. So that, you know, is a little bit odd. Maybe, maybe not. She never got the chance to talk with him further on that. There's also not really any information, at least as far as I'm aware, about Logan's biological father. So, you know, schizophrenia may be something that runs in the family and it just wasn't known about because there, you know, the family had no information about Logan's biological father. At least that's what it seems like. So let's say that this is the case, you know, if we're looking at Logan possibly having schizophrenia or maybe he doesn't have schizophrenia and he's just having other issues with his mental health, like depression or anything like that. It's possible that this led him to, you know, A, do something erratic or something he wouldn't normally do, and maybe he got hurt because of that, and he just, you know, I don't know, he hasn't been found. Or, unfortunately, it could mean that he chose to end his life, and it's possible that that happened, and again, he just hasn't been found. Or he just ended up in a bad situation, you know, due to this, and again, we just don't know what happened from there. Theory number two would involve drugs. It's known that Logan smoked weed and on occasion it said that he drank, but we don't know that he did any hard drugs. So it seems unfair to say that, oh, well, maybe he did, but you never know. Like maybe he did and maybe he got involved with the wrong person. Maybe he was just smoking weed, but he still got involved with the wrong person or something, you know, went badly buying weed or something like that or if he was trying other drugs, again, Jenny doesn't know who he was spending all of his time with at night. You know, maybe something happened. He could have overdosed and been around friends who, you know, decided to try to hide that fact. They didn't want to get in trouble. 
There was a man spotted walking, you know, around an area where there was a lot of known drug use, and this man was described as being black. Now, the only reason that's relevant is it's because a couple of hours after Logan's car was found abandoned or, you know, is said to have been crashed into that center median. And we also know that that area of Washington was predominantly white, but that doesn't mean anything. It's just, you know, a thought. Could that have been Logan? I don't think it was. I think with many of these witness accounts, you know, a lot of these people are just driving by. They could see anything, you know, they could mistake somebody that's Caucasian for being black or black for being Caucasian just because they're driving by really quickly, you know, based on what they're wearing, the time of day. Did they, you know, was it nighttime? Could they really not see? But I do think that it is a theory that maybe something did happen with drugs. And this is something else I thought of because, you know, Logan's car was abandoned. And as far as we know, nothing was stolen from it. But I just talked about this in this season, episode one, in the case of Stephanie Hart Grizel and Nick Kunzelman. They were shot and killed at a subway. And with that case, it was first assumed to be a robbery, but then they realized that no money had been stolen. And even if it had been, there wasn't a lot of money that was even able to be stolen. So one of the theories with that case is that it involved drugs. It was said that maybe the subway was selling drugs out of the store. And we don't need to get too into this, but... A question I had during that episode was, you know, maybe something was stolen out of the store. It's just that people didn't want to admit that it was there, like, for instance, drugs or money related to drugs, or people didn't know that it was there and it was stolen. So that makes it impossible to know if a motivation was that somebody wanted to steal drugs or drug related money. Now, the same could be the case for Logan. Maybe he was traveling with more money than was found in his car related to drugs. Maybe he was traveling with drugs and somebody stole the drugs and he got harmed because of that. And just from everything I've researched and everything I've heard, I don't think that Logan was using hard drugs. I don't think that he was selling drugs, but, you know, you never know. It's a possibility he could have just met the wrong person, even if it was just somebody that he bought weed from. The next theory is that Logan just walked away from his life. You know, even his aunt Tina, she said that maybe he just wanted a fresh start. His friend Dakota said something along those lines. We know that there's a lot of tension within the family, and I'm not saying that that's a reason, but it's very possible that maybe there was just a lot going on in his life. You know, he had just gotten kicked out of college. He was living at home at the age of 19. He was struggling with his identity. We talked about this earlier, but there was an occasion when he was a senior in high school where somebody was being hateful towards him, even if they considered it a quote unquote, you know, in a joking manner. Somebody was being hateful towards Logan because of his race. He grew up in a predominantly white area. He grew up in a white family. And just looking into this a little bit further, because I was curious, his sister and him, you know, have the same mother, but it seems that she does present as white. So Logan presents as black and he really grew up as the only black person in his family. I'm not sure, you know, what his mother looks like, but he didn't actually live with her. And it seems like pretty much one of the few black people that attended his school. So then for something like this to happen where somebody, even if they considered it a joke, which it's not a joke, but even if they did, you know, he was really hurt by this. And he also felt betrayed. He felt like his friends didn't have his back. And we have no idea what struggles he was already having with being, you know, a black man in a predominantly white community and family. But then on top of this, he feels like, you know, his friends don't even care for him. They're not there for him. And maybe he just suddenly felt like, wow, you know, these people, I'm not actually a part of this community in the way that I thought I was. And, you know, obviously this hurt him, but maybe this hurt him much deeper than even the people around him realized. You know, he cut these people off. And yeah, maybe that was because of a mental health issue. You know, that could be part of it, cutting people off. I mean, he stopped talking to his aunt Tina, too, pretty abruptly, it sounds like, after college. 
but he cut off his friends. I mean, he may have texted them here and there, but he was pretty much done with them, at least, you know, if we believe what's to be said by his friend Dakota that was in that interview. And even his friend Dakota, you know, he's saying that they never treated Logan any differently. They never saw him any differently. But that's just his opinion. You know, Logan may have had a completely different perception. Maybe he did feel like he was treated differently. Maybe he did feel like the odd one out in some way. And then this party where this girl was being hateful towards him and, you know, maybe some of his friends were there that didn't have his back. That just confirmed it for him. And it was really heartbreaking for him. And then on top of that, he's having some family issues, it sounds like. He's not happy living at home. His sister has this guy, Jake, living in the house that he doesn't like. We don't know the extent of the dislike there. We don't know the extent of their relationship, but we know that Logan wasn't comfortable living with him. And Jake had a history of being violent. I saw somewhere that he pushed Chloe once in front of Logan. So, I mean, I think there was definitely some stuff going on in the home. And then he would have his kids there a lot of the time. And it sounds like Logan didn't like the way that he treated his kids. So I definitely believe that, you know, I don't think Logan just avoided Jake all the time. I'm guessing there is definitely at least some arguments at the very least that happened between Logan and Jake. And I'm not saying Ginny's lying about this in any way. I'm just saying, you know, she worked. She had her own life. And it's probable that if they did have these arguments, she just wasn't there to witness them. Logan told Ginny that he was going away for the weekend. He told her this on a Wednesday. Now, I don't know if that means, you know, maybe Thursday and Friday is the weekend to him as well. But he basically, if he was planning on just leaving on his own, he would have set up some time that he was able to leave without anybody really worrying about where he was yet. You know, he said he was going away, so that kind of gave him a little bit more leeway, time to work with. And yeah, he didn't have his phone or his license or anything like that, but if you were truly planning on, you know, leaving your life and starting anew, you wouldn't bring your phone with you, you wouldn't bring your license. It's very possible that he had acquired a fake ID or a new phone. We don't know why he drove down to the Vancouver area if that was him. We don't know why he would have done that. Maybe he picked something up there. Maybe abandoning the car was all part of the plan. It was a way to create a distraction. You know, some people say that one of the witnesses described by the woman who said that she saw Logan, you know, with his car on, you know, maybe the 19th. Some people say that the descriptions, uh, specifically of the witness that was not included in the sketch, actually sound a lot like Logan's friend Dakota because he was featured in that episode of Disappeared, so people know what he looks like, and they say that it sounds like him. The man was described as having, I think, shoulder-length light hair, wearing a plaid shirt, and honestly, it could be him. I think that's reaching. You know, I don't think that he was involved in any way. But let's say that he was involved. Let's say that the woman that saw, you know, these two Caucasian men along with Logan, let's say that she really did see Logan that day and it really was him. Maybe Dakota was there. Maybe he was helping him start a new life. They had been friends for, it sounds like, most of their, you know, childhood lives. So maybe Logan did reach out to him and say, hey, could you help me out? You know, we never know. And of course, the family says that Logan wouldn't be gone for this long without at least reaching out to let them know he was okay. You know, his grandfather, Ginny, I think her husband, Bill, he passed away in 2018. And it said that, you know, Logan and him had a good relationship as far as I can tell. So, you know, you would think he would at least reach out during that time. But if he truly wanted to start a new life and he was committed to that, which it sounds like when he committed to something, he kind of stuck with it, you know, he wouldn't come back if that was something he really wanted, if that was something a person really wanted and they were really committed to the point where they staged, you know, their car in a certain way and they took off, started a new life, got a new ID, all of these things, then it's possible that he wouldn't reach out to his family even if he wanted to. Maybe he felt like the best way was just completely to cut ties and have a clean break from all of it.
There was nothing on his phone or laptop that indicated that he was looking into starting a new life. They did look at all of that. But again, it's not, you know, Logan was smart. It's not like he wouldn't think, hey, I probably shouldn't be searching this. It's 2016. He's 19. He knows how the internet works, I'm guessing. So if he really was planning on starting this new life and he didn't want anyone to know, then why would he be searching it on his phone and his laptop? I don't think he would. I think he would know not to do that. And there's other ways to look into getting information than just looking on your own own personal phone or computer. It doesn't sound like Logan gave his grandmother any information about what his exact plans were for the weekend that he was supposed to be gone. You know, he said he was probably going to be away that weekend, but it doesn't sound like he said what his plans were. So maybe he just said that again to give himself a little extra breathing room if this was his plan to start anew. Okay, so let's move on to a final theory, but within this theory, you know, there's a few different ways that this could have happened, and that's that foul play was involved. Firstly, we know that Logan's cell phone traveled down to the Vancouver area of Washington, which was around 100 miles away, which would have been a little bit under a two-hour drive, maybe an hour and a half, depending on the speed that the car was going. And as far as I can tell, it was there for around 45 minutes before turning back around and coming up towards Tumwater. Now, in some sources, it makes it seem like the phone and the car are just traveling south and north and south and north, but... I found it hard to confirm this, and to me it seems like, because this is coming from police that spoke in different interviews, it seems like the phone, and most likely the car, went down to the Vancouver area, spent around 45 minutes there, and then came back up towards the Tumwater area where the car eventually was found abandoned and crashed into the center, you know, the barrier in the highway. So did something happen at that point? Maybe Logan was going to do something in the Vancouver area. You know, we know he was talking to a girl. She had said at one point, you know, when are we going to meet? And he said something like, you probably know more about that than I do, but maybe he was going to go surprise her. Maybe he was going there to buy weed. Maybe he was just going down there because he had a friend that lived in the area and something happened to him when he was in that area during that 45 minutes. And then maybe somebody, you know, stole his car. I don't know why if a random person stole his car, why they would then just like bring it back up to the Tumwater area and leave it. I don't think that really makes sense, but he could have been harmed at that point. Personally, and this is just my own opinion, I don't think that Logan drove that car at all, like, you know, down to the Vancouver area. I don't think that that was him driving the car. I don't think he was with his phone at all. You know, if we're looking at this from a foul play perspective, I do not think that he drove that car down there and then brought it back up to the Tumwater area. I think that that was somebody else. As far as who that was, I don't know. But again, yeah, somebody could have hurt him. It could have been a friend. You know, it's very suspicious that if we're to believe witnesses that saw a Caucasian male, you know, in the car, it's strange that no one's come forward and said anything. And as far as I know, these mysterious friends of Logan that his grandmother had never met, they have never come forward and said that they were with Logan or given any any information. You know, maybe they have been interviewed, but they didn't have any information that was useful. But as far as I know, nobody has come forward and said, you know, that they were with Logan on the evening of May 19th or the morning of May 20th or at any point during that time. Nobody has come forward and said that. Yet, people say that they saw this car going across the highway. Some people say there was no one in it, but then another person says that he did see a Caucasian male in the car that abandoned the car before it went across the highway. Obviously, somebody had to be with the car before it went across the highway. So who was it, and why haven't they come forward? Why? Because they're probably involved in some way in what happened to Logan, 
which is why I think that it's more likely than not that Logan was met with some kind of foul play. While I would love to hope that, you know, he just wanted a different life and he's out there somewhere happy and just enjoying a new life for himself, I just, I don't think that that's the case. Because there's just too much weird stuff going on. And what I keep coming back to ever since I found this out and I just cannot get this out of my head is that Logan's phone connected to the home Wi-Fi, his cell phone connected to the home Wi-Fi on Thursday evening at 8.45 p.m. Why? In order for that to happen, the phone would have had to have been in the house or very close by to the house. Now, as far as we know, Ginny sent Logan a message at around one something in the afternoon asking if he was okay. He never responded to that. And then at 8.45 p.m., it seems like his phone probably powered on because then he gets another text from Ginny that says something about the TV being in the living room. You know, like, why is the TV in the living room? But it's possible that she hadn't actually sent that text at 8.45, although we don't know. Maybe she did. But it's possible that she hadn't sent that text at 8.45 and that his phone just powered on because somebody brought it into the house and put it on the charger and then it connected to the home Wi-Fi. So then why... Is Ginny saying that the last time she saw him is May 18th, and the last reported sighting of him is supposedly Logan's sister Chloe around 6 a.m., which I'm not really sure where they got that time, but it said that she's the last one to have seen him Thursday morning. Which also, if you look anywhere, like so many sources say that he was last seen by Ginny on Wednesday the 18th when they had that conversation. He said he had the epiphany and then he was never seen again. But then it turns out that he was more likely than not seen Thursday morning by his sister, and that's where they got the description of what he was wearing that day. Which, okay, that's fine. So maybe he comes home really late Wednesday night, you know, like three in the morning that Wednesday, which would have been something he would have done. Ginny's already asleep, so she has no idea that he comes home. I don't know why Chloe wouldn't have mentioned it, but maybe there was just a miscommunication there, or it was just communicated in a way that made it seem like Ginny's sighting had been the last, but really it had been Chloe. Because we have Jenny texting Logan on Thursday asking if he's okay. And I believe it also said like she hadn't seen him that morning. Is he okay? So I don't think she saw him when he came home, which he most likely did on Wednesday evening. And to me, that makes sense. He's 19. He probably came in at some late hour. You know, she's his grandmother. She was probably in bed. She works in the morning. Okay, fine. Now she gets home from work around 6 p.m. in the evening. So if Logan arrives home at around 8.45, and that doesn't even mean that he got home at 8.45, that's just when the phone most likely powered on. And it's when it connected to the home Wi-Fi. So yeah, it could have been that he stepped inside and the the phone connected to the Wi-Fi, or it could have been that the phone was inside the house dead and then it was plugged in and connected to the Wi-Fi at 8.45 p.m. Now, I would assume that in a house with four other adults living in it, If Logan had been there at 8.45 p.m., somebody would have seen him. I don't think everybody would have been asleep, especially knowing that Ginny didn't even get home from work until 6 p.m. It seems unlikely that at 8.45 she would already have been in bed. Now, I don't know. Maybe she would have already been in bed at that time. But it's weird, right? Like, it's definitely strange that his phone connected. That's why I can't get it out of my head, because nobody admits to seeing him at that time. Okay, so then maybe nobody did see him. And how would that work? Well, that would mean that somebody else would have had to have his phone. Somebody would have had to have had Logan's phone, brought it into the house, maybe plugged it in, not thinking about the fact that it would connect to the Wi-Fi and give away the fact that it was there. And that's why his phone connected to the Wi-Fi, but his grandmother doesn't remember seeing him, his sister doesn't remember seeing him. And this leads me back to Jake because, again, a lot of the family members of Logan are very suspicious of Jake, even though he's been cleared by police. 
And again, he's only been cleared by police because he passed a polygraph. But he lied about where he was on May 19th. He originally said that he was working. And the only reason that he ever came out and said, oh, actually, I wasn't working is because they looked at his phone and saw that he had gotten a text from what it, whether it was a boss or a coworker that said no work today. So then he was like, oh, actually, yeah, I wasn't working. I forgot. And he said that he was at a river with Chloe just floating on the river. OK, but there's two problems with that. According to his call logs, he called Chloe numerous times on Thursday. I'm talking a lot. I think over 37 times he called Chloe. All throughout the day, specific times, he would call over and over again, but he called her many times, texted her many times. Why would he be doing that if he was with Chloe floating on a river? It doesn't make sense. Number two, the high was 62 that day. That is not typically river floating weather. It's a little too cool for that. It's not something like people wouldn't typically go float on a river when it's only 62 degrees out. And again, he only said this after being caught in a lie about not having been at work. So how can you believe what he says now? Oh, I was actually at a river. Were you? And why does this matter? It matters because Logan's missing and because his phone connected to the house Wi-Fi, but nobody saw him at that time. So what if something happened during that time? During the day on May 19th, Logan's phone was not seen responding to any messages. You know, it was very quiet, which was unlike him. Logan was said to be on his phone often. So for him to just go for this long stretch of time not using his phone at all, you know, I don't know if he was at work that day, but I don't think he was supposed to be. I, I have no idea about that. That would be great information to know if he was supposed to work on Thursday or Wednesday, but I don't know that. But Logan had no activity really going on on his phone until the phone connected to the Wi-Fi and then a couple of messages came through which he didn't respond to any of them. He didn't respond to his grandmother's messages that day and we know that his grandmother had texted him Wednesday saying that you know he could always reach out to her and that she loved him and he responded to her and he said that he loved her too. He was texting his mother on Wednesday so why when she texted him at one in the afternoon on Thursday would he not respond to that? Because something probably happened and I'm thinking it happened on Thursday. He was at home Wednesday night. Ginny left for work in the morning on Thursday, didn't see him. I think something happened Thursday at some point. And I'm not saying, oh, it has to have been Jake. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that it's weird. And the only reason that my mind goes to Jake is because of the fact that the phone was back on that home Wi-Fi. There was nothing else that went on with that phone after that. There was no calls that were made. I think the only thing that happened was there was rap lyrics that were in an outgoing message that was never sent. And that was late in the evening, like in the early morning hours of Friday. But I don't really know what that means. But as far as like phone calls and text messages, or I don't know if they can track social media activity, but I don't believe that anything was going on on that phone after that phone powered on or, you know, connected to the Wi-Fi at around 845 on Thursday. I'm sorry, that's weird. And then I don't know the exact time of this drive that was taken, you know, down to the Vancouver area. I would love to know the exact time of that, but I really couldn't figure out. Again, it was just like conflicting information. Some said it was in the early morning hours. Others said that it was during the day. It would be very interesting to know because say the phone was being charged or whatever, connected to the home Wi-Fi, and then this drive took place in the early morning hours of Friday. Well, if somebody had hurt Logan, that would be a good time to do something, you know, like hide the evidence or whatever was going on. Now, I don't know why whoever this person was would have kept his phone and then abandoned his car in Tumwater, but honestly, kind of makes sense in a way. 
So say that this person, whoever, you know, if somebody was involved, drove down 100 miles away, you know, if say they killed Logan, they left Logan there, hid him somewhere and then drove back up to Tumwater, leaving his car there, thinking that, you know, whoever finds it is going to think that Logan just left it in Tumwater and was never even in the Vancouver area. And maybe they didn't even think about the fact that like a phone could be tracked. Maybe they just weren't thinking about that. I mean, it seems kind of strange not to think about that, but you never know. This could have been something that happened impulsively or hastily. I don't know, but it's definitely frustrating and it's really sad to think about. You know, I said this earlier, there was somebody that came forward and said that Chloe had told him, and this was somebody that Chloe was supposedly dating after Jake. This guy said that she told him that Jake was involved in the disappearance of her brother, but then, you know, the morning after she denied that and she wouldn't say anything further about it. And, you know, this guy could have made that up. His story did change a couple of times and there was reward money that was being offered. And by the way, this reward money was put together by Logan's family. They sold, I believe it was stickers and they did all sorts of things to to raise $10,000 in order to help motivate somebody to come forward with information about Logan's case. So as much as I may be, you know, saying, you know, there's a lot of tension within the family and a lot of stuff said that doesn't add up and stuff like that, I do believe that Logan's family loves him, has no idea where he is, and misses him very much. And I really think that they desperately want to know what happened to him. I just think that there's tensions within the family. You know, I was listening to one thing about this and they were wondering why when Ginny was worried about Logan being missing, she, you know, she decided not to call 911 because she didn't think it was an emergency, which I understand. And they were like, well, why didn't she call, you know, Logan's Uncle Mike, the guy who had been a retired sheriff, police officer, whatever. How come she didn't contact him? Well, I don't think those people really spoke to each other. I mean, there's so much tension if you listen to any of these interviews and it sounds like there are certain people in the family that don't speak to each other, so it's very possible they didn't speak. So she didn't think to herself, well, I'm going to call him and let him know because maybe it just would have been awkward or maybe it just wasn't a thought that crossed her mind. I don't know. I just think there's, you know, a lot of issues within the family. And I, I don't think that that means that, like, I don't, I certainly don't think that they're involved. I just think that it makes the case, you know, a little bit more confusing. But I think that, you know, especially the people interviewed, like his aunts, his uncle, his grandmother. I think that they very much miss and love Logan and want him to at least either return home or at least find out what happened to him. So of course there could be other theories, but that's pretty much what I'm left with. You know, looking into this case, I have just been taken in all different directions. You know, for a little bit of time, I was like, yeah, he left. But then I was like looking further into it and I was like, no, like foul play definitely had to have been involved here. There's just too much weird stuff going on. There's too much stuff that is just truly bizarre. And I really wish that I did have more information. I would love to see the call logs because as much as I've tried to figure out exactly, you know, when the phone pinged where and when the text was sent at what time, it's very difficult. It's very difficult to get that exact information without it being confusing in some way or you're not sure what was meant by whoever was relaying that information. You know, the times are different depending where you look because personally, I think that that is very important. It's a key to this entire case as to what was going on with the phone. I think the fact that it connected to that Wi-Fi is extremely relevant. And, you know, another thing I was thinking about too, that Facebook post, 
I was so confused when I first saw this. It sounded to me like the police were keeping an eye on his Facebook and then they saw this post and then they all went crazy being like, oh, he's at that, you know, the Olympia airport, whatever. He checked in there. And I was like, how do they not realize that this is just a memory post of a check-in that had happened a year before? But then it turned out that it was possible Ginny had posted this thing to Facebook. You know, it had come up as an alert and maybe she had posted it. But I don't even know if that's 100% true. We know that Ginny did get possession of Logan's phone and it was brought back into the house on May 23rd. That was the Monday that she reported him missing as well as when she got his car and the items inside of his car. Three days later, that Facebook post was posted. So, you know, did somebody log into his account and do that? So some way, somehow, as far as what I know about Facebook, somebody would have had to have been on Logan's account to post that. It couldn't have been somebody from their own Facebook account. Somebody would have had to have been on his account. So that means either somebody logged in from wherever they were in the world or somebody had access to his phone, which was sitting right inside of the house that he had lived in and was also the same place where the phone had been connected to the Wi-Fi on Thursday evening, but nobody had seen Logan there with it. And maybe if somebody saw the phone there and maybe they saw the notification about it, they said, oh, maybe I'll post this because it will confuse the investigation more. And again, this is like pure speculation, obviously. But these are things that just come into my head the more I have looked into this case. And if there was more information out there clarifying, yes, Ginny 100% posted that on Facebook by accident, well then fine. Or you know, actually, they did see Logan in the house on Thursday evening. Again, fine. But because that information is not out there and because, you know, in all of like the interviews, especially the one on the Hide and Seek podcast, everybody just seemed confused about certain things or like they didn't remember certain things. So it just makes it all the more strange. But with all of these theories, I think the one that makes the most sense is foul play just because of the phone activity itself, knowing that Logan you know, not only did he use his phone a lot, but he was very proud of his car, according to Ginny. So she thinks it's very strange that he would have just left it abandoned if that was him that did it, even if he had planned on taking off. She finds that very odd behavior, and she thinks that whoever left the car at that center barrier was not Logan. And if it wasn't Logan, then I'm sorry, but I think foul play had to have been involved, or I guess there's the chance that somebody was just helping him set up an excuse, a distraction, so that he could go start a new life somewhere else, which again, I would hope that that would be the case. You know, that would be great, but I just don't, I don't think that that's the case. And I just want to say too, this was 2016, and this was the time when Black Lives Matter was really kicking off, and Logan was posting Malcolm X things on his Facebook and social media, Martin Luther King Jr., so I think his identity was definitely something that was playing on his mind. You know, his Aunt Tina thinks that, and that definitely could have been a part of, you know, either his mental health or part of wanting to leave on his own. I did try to look into events to see if there were any going on in the area, you know, like Black Lives Matter events or anything regarding that. Because again, there was a lot of stuff going on in 2016. You know, maybe that had been his plan for the weekend, but it doesn't seem like there was anything going on in his area on those dates. Ginny herself had even looked at UFO conventions to see if maybe there had been something like that. Now, I don't know if Logan was interested in UFOs or said anything about wanting to go to a UFO convention or if she was just trying to think outside of the box. But even if he had gone to some kind of an event, it still doesn't explain where he is or what happened to him. Now, if you look into this case, 
There will be other disappearances and murders that might come up alongside of it as, you know, coinciding with maybe this is related to Logan Schindelman's disappearance. I'm not going to touch on any of those. I did look into them. Most of them have been resolved. And one thing that comes up is that a body was found and they were testing DNA, wondering if maybe that could be Logan. It wasn't. They concluded that that was somebody else. And all of these things I did look into and they just don't seem related. So I didn't really think that it was necessary to share in this episode. But if you do know of something that does seem related, maybe I missed it, you know, please feel free to let me know. Hopefully I've managed to cover everything. Again, this case, I feel like it's one that's really going to stick with me. Not that other ones don't, but something about this case just, I don't know. I just really feel, I really feel sad about the whole situation. I think Logan was probably dealing with things that, you know, maybe people weren't aware of, but he just seemed like such a nice person. If you go look at his pictures, I don't know, there's just something about him. And it just makes me really sad to know that right now he's missing. Nobody knows what happened to him. Nobody knows if he's alive or if he's not. His family, he has family members that love him and they just really want to know, you know, either what happened to him or they just really want him home. And it just makes me really sad. And I hope that one day this is figured out. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and don't forget to go to the blog. Again, it is listed in my show notes. I really want to hear from you guys. I want to hear your thoughts on this episode as well as any theories that you might have, anything you think I missed or something I said that stuck out to you that maybe didn't stick out to me. But again, his family says that if he is out there somewhere, he's always welcome home. No questions asked. All they want is for him to be safe and for him to be happy. And they don't care if he just shows up at random. They will not judge him. They will be waiting there for him with open arms. And we can just hope that maybe one day that's going to happen. But again, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Thank you for listening to Kind of Strange Podcast. Don't forget to follow along on social media at Kind of Strange PC on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. I would love it if you could rate this podcast and leave a review. All sources for this episode are listed on the Kind of Strange website. The link is provided in the show notes. Until next time, don't forget to keep a lookout for anything that might be a little weird, a bit odd, or kind of strange. strange.